listening to the Top Music Guitar Podcast, the show for guitar teachers to learn about the craft of teaching great guitar lessons that students love. If you're looking to start or expand your studio and make guitar teaching your full-time dream job, you've come to the right place. Each week, you'll get to hear from some of the top guitar teachers from around the globe and get their best tips and experiences so you too can build your own dream studio. I'm your host, Michael, and I've founded one of the top guitar schools in Australia, written a best-selling curriculum, and I mentor guitar teachers. I'm excited to share my expertise with you and the wisdom of all the experts we interview. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the 50th episode of the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. We started the show just over 12 months ago and it has been an absolutely amazing journey. I've interviewed so many great guests and I've learned so much about teaching guitar myself from the wealth of experts that I've been lucky enough to interview. And of course, I've been hopefully able to pass all that knowledge and information on to you, the listener. So whether you were here from day number one with our first episode with Lauren Bateman, or you've joined the show more recently, thank you so much for contributing to what has become the Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast. So for episode number 50, I had something which I thought was really awesome planned, and the original title of this episode was going to be 50 Guitar Teaching Tips from 50 Guitar Teachers, and I open up the opportunity to submit your guitar teaching tips, you the listeners, and unfortunately, we only had about 10 people submit teaching tips. So reassessing the plan, I thought, you know what, I could be sneaky here, I could use ChatGPT to generate me the remaining 40 guitar teaching tips. And I could just make up some names or I could, you know, just throw in a couple of my own guitar teaching tips. But I thought, no, that's a little bit deceptive. I can't just make up some teaching tips uh, or have ChatGPT make them up and then, of course, just pass them off as real people. So what I ended up thinking was, why don't I do 50 guitar teaching tips from ChatGPT? And I'll actually go through it and see, hang on, is this really, really good ideas? Or is this just like, you know, total nonsense, which is just being regurgitated through a couple of different points? So... We are going to hear from those guests of you who did submit. So thank you so much for doing that. You are going to either have a little cut-in segue to your guitar teaching tip or I'll read it out if it was submitted uh, via email. And then we're going to dive into some chat GPT generated guitar teaching tips. Now I'm going to give you my uh, review of each of those tips and tell you whether I think it's a good idea or a good teaching tip or whether I think it's total garbage and we can probably give that bit of advice a mix. But regardless, thank you for tuning into episode number 50. I really appreciate you listening again, whether you've been here from day one or more recently. And here's to another 50 episodes of the podcast. Let's get into it. So to kick things off, we are going to hear from Brendan Benoit all the way from Canada, who's been a top music guitar member, I'm pretty sure since day one when we launched the program. And he's been a, a valued contributed to our community here, Top Music Guitar. So let's hear Brendan's tip. Hey there, folks. Brendan here with Sona Music and Audio Services here in beautiful Clearwater, British Columbia. I am here to congratulate Michael for his 50th episode. Congratulations, sir. You are an inspiration to us all. That's for sure. <laughs> Today, I got three pieces for you. Number one for pro tip advice. Know your worth and stick to it. Now, here's the thing. No one can tell you what your lessons are worth. You can ask around, you can ask your mentors, your teachers. No one's going to have a good answer for you. You need to know what that answer is and you need to stick to it. So whether it's years and years of training or just years and years of unofficial training, doesn't matter. You know your worth. Only you know that. Stick to it. Item number two. It's actually better to write off some free lessons than to start a charity. I'm in a situation where a lot of people can't really afford my time, and the thought has occurred that maybe if I start a charity, a not-for-profit organization, then I can use that to help pay for these services. You're better off to take the dollar amounts that you would otherwise have tried to get from a charity and write them off in your taxes. It's a lot easier, there's a lot less steps involved, and it's a lot less shady in that way. Item number three, if ever your policy and common sense differ. Use common sense. Now, that might seem like, a, like an easy one there, but uh, common sense means something different for everyone. So, whenever your policy 
and common sense can rule a situation. Use common sense. Thank you so much for listening. Again, congrats, Michael. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. The second person we're going to hear from today is Aaron Carrington from Bath over in the United Kingdom. Aaron's a member of my Guitar Ninjas and Six Figure Guitar Teacher programs over in the UK. And he's a wonderful player and no doubt a fantastic teacher. Let's hear what he has to say. My name's Aaron from Carrington Guitar Academy in Bath in the UK. And my top guitar teaching tip is this. Whenever you're advertising yourself, avoid saying that you teach in all styles. This is very, very common. I'm also guilty of this. Maybe you're guilty of it too. Let's just use an example here. Take a guitar player like Guthrie Govan. Okay, widely considered one of the best, if not the best electric guitarist in the world. Okay, but have you ever seen him play classical guitar, like proper finger style classical guitar on a nylon string? I've never seen him do that. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking Guthrie. That would be complete madness. <laughs> but I'm just using it to emphasize a point that he doesn't play in all styles. I mean, who knows? Maybe he's a bedroom classical guitarist, and I'm sure if you gave him one, he could pick it up, etc., etc. But just as a means of emphasizing my point, he doesn't play in all styles. And it's not very useful as a teacher to advertise that because then you're not targeting specific people. You're much better off just saying, I play rock and blues on the rock and blues guy. Come to me for your rock and blues lessons. Then all the rock and blues players, their ears prick up and they go, oh, rock and blues teacher. Whereas if it's an all styles teacher, that doesn't really, that doesn't really do anything to the people who you're advertising to or trying to reach. So yeah, that's my top guitar teaching tip, and I hope that it was helpful. Avoid saying that you teach in all styles. Now, the next teacher we're going to hear from is a fellow Aussie and someone who was a guest on the podcast very recently, and that is Zach Pugh from Tasmania down in the southernmost point of Australia in their own little island there. Let's hear what Zach from Musigo has to say. Hi, it's Zach Pugh here, and my guitar teaching tip is... Offer a way to record students so they can critique themselves. Live performance is an extremely valuable experience, but it can be difficult to place a student in that environment on a regular basis. Recording can have a similar effect, especially if you challenge them to do something in one take, just like when you're performing on stage. Now, the next guitar teacher we're going to hear from is Josh Gillis, all the way from Mississippi in the United States. Josh has worked with me in my six-figure guitar teacher program and Guitar Ninjas as an official licensee, and he also has his own guitar teacher program called Guitar Boss, which you should definitely check out. He guested on the podcast with uh, Rich a little bit earlier, I think either late 2022 or early 2023, around about that Christmas period there, but he's a great guy, a great teacher, and I know you're going to get a lot out of this tip. Hey there, Josh Gillis. I teach beginner guitar to beginner students and I uh, have a one tip that has really helped me out this semester and actually I think I learned it from Michael Gumley or at least he introduced the concept of it that's a point system and that is to encourage uh, positive behavior with students by giving them points uh, just for doing the right things that you want to see so people walk in the door no matter who it is so I've got my little board keep a little whiteboard behind me this is like a leaderboard of some stuff we're working on had three students the other day they get five easy points, we call them easy points. And five easy points are, hey, did you bring your guitar? Point. Did you bring your pick? Point. Did you bring your curriculum book? Point. Uh, let's see, were you on time? Point. And lastly, uh, is your guitar tuned by the time that you start, that practice starts, right? So if, if lessons are at 3.45 p.m., at 3.45 p.m., I make them hit a G note or a G, a G chord. And if it sounds right, they get a point. If it sounds awful, they do not get a point. So... I can't tell you how many students are like rushing in the door to rip out their guitars and tune it really quick before they start just to get the point. So it has definitely encouraged some positive behavior. And uh, along with those points, what I used to do was whoever had the most points at the end of the day would get a prize. I would give away like stickers or mints and then I eventually upped the ante. And I'm, I did these like I have this box of just like, you know, dollar candy is basically like at the Dollar General store and uh, they got to pick something out of this box. Well, this started to get really expensive. I was, you know, spending 50 bucks every couple of weeks just to refill this thing from all these lessons I've been doing. And I was like, dang, I kind of think of a better way. So I heard another great idea to do a raffle. So basically, instead of earning candy, you earn a raffle. 
I got these from Walmart. You just tear off these little tickets and then I put them in this big, you know, bucket here. And um, I just got this little cheap thing cut a hole. And now at the end of the semester at our recital, I'm gonna reach in here and raffle for some prizes, right? Candy will be some of the prizes, but also decided, you know, in like a month and a half, I could spend $200 in candy or I could just buy a guitar, right? So I went to the guitar shop, I bought this guitar. It's like a PV uh, Raptor, I think. It was 99 bucks. Students don't care. <laughs> so uh, I'll probably actually buy a new one too, but that'll be one of them I just give away. So anyway, uh, that is what I'm going to start raffling off this year. So that's another tip is to use a point system to uh, enforce good behavior. Try your best not to uh, take points away if you can help it. Although you can threaten uh, to take points away. That usually corrects behavior. If they're messing up, be like, hey, I don't want to take away your point. And usually they just shut up because they know it's they know it's at stake. So anyway, Josh Gillis here again. That's my tip. Uh, great episodes on this uh, podcast. I really enjoy Michael and uh, everything that he teaches and all the people he interviews. Does a great job. I'll talk to you soon. So our next user-submitted tip is from Sam Blake over at the BMT School of Music in the United Kingdom. Sam works with me and my six-figure guitar teacher program and Guitar Ninjas. And he already had a really, really successful music school. So he's a, a fantastic teacher and he's a wealth of knowledge. So Sam writes in with his guitar teaching tip being, create a resource from day one. And he's written in his email, this works for a guitar teacher just starting out or those who still find they spend way too much time thinking about preparing lessons for their students. Every time to prepare or create a lesson plan and sheet music for students, document it. Make a list or a spreadsheet a Google Drive folder, or anything that you feel comfortable with. Don't print anything and keep it digital instead, so it's easier to reorganize and edit for later. He writes, keep it simple, but the idea is that you document every single lesson that you teach. It could be repertoire, theory, or anything creative that's structured in some way. It doesn't have to be set in stone in the beginning, but over time you can begin to systematize and organize all of your mini lessons. You will soon find it builds up and you'll gradually spend less and less time on lesson prep, scratching your head, wondering what to do or finding ideas for your students. And it can work alongside any other set curriculum or books you use. And of course, there's still plenty of scope for keeping lessons spontaneous and having free choice for students within the framework. So that is an excellent tip from Sam there. And that's one that almost was the start of me becoming a professional guitar teacher, not writing down something on a sheet of paper, losing it and writing it down. Or for example, the song Shotgun came out a couple of years ago and that was everywhere here in Australia. If I was teaching 20 lessons per week, it might have been six or seven, maybe even up to 12 people per week wanting to learn Shotgun. Now, if I'm going to write that one out 16 times a week from scratch, that's a total waste of time. If I write it out once, create a nice document, which I can just print infinitely, then that is a great use of your time. So a really, really good tip from Sam there. Our next guitar teaching tip was submitted via email by Skip Newman. And Skip writes, Hey Michael, I've been using a letter to new parents like this one. I'm giving them a homework assignment. Best of luck with your project. And Skip is from the USA. So thanks very much for writing in here, Skip. What he has written, and I'm going to read out his email. It has the heading, New Student Parent Homework. And it reads... Congratulations on your child's enrollment in music lessons. Your homework is to help your child organize their practice time. By asking a few questions now, you can help them get the most from their music studies. Here you go. What time do you think would work best for you to practice at least 20 minutes a day? Is there something I could do to help you get organized? Where do you think is the best place in the house for you to practice? Do you have any friends that play guitar or another instrument? What kind of music do you want to learn on guitar? And please ask them to play the guitar for you by asking, what are they working on this week? Could you show me? So that's a really great set of tips by T uh, Skip Newman in terms of asking the right questions and setting up a practice room, a routine, a practice room and routine at home that's conducive to success. So thank you for the submission there, Skip. Now, our next guitar teaching tip comes from Jeremy Eakenberry from the Maryland Guitar Academy in the United States. He's a member of Top Music and he writes, Hey, Michael, here's a tip that I use with all of my new students. The first thing I teach any student who joins my studio is how to play a guitar solo. 
We don't talk about what the notes are called, the names of the strings, how to tune, or other, quote, normal things guitar teachers like to focus on. Instead, I give them one or two notes on the high E string, tell them their job is to be as creative as possible using those notes. Put on a backing track and then start rocking. Eventually, we'll add more notes, start talking about rhythms, and then add some more structure. But playing a guitar solo right after they walk in the door builds confidence and belief in themselves way more than memorizing Eddie Ate Dynamite Goodbye Eddie. Kids and adults really dig this and it helps plant the seed that they can do really cool things with a guitar right away. So that is a fantastic approach to introducing a new student to guitar by Jeremy there. And if you haven't done anything like that in your own teaching studio, try it out. I know that's going to be an amazingly powerful tactic that you can use. And Jeremy is right on the money in my professional opinion there. Now, our final submission from a listener at home comes from Nathan Mantle. And he's actually given us two tips, which is absolutely fantastic. Thanks, Nathan. You're bumping us up into double digits there. Really appreciate it. And Nathan writes to me, hi, Michael. Here's a couple of tips. Tip number one, have multiple versions of songs and in brackets and have different lead sheets to correspond to them. Don't stop at just having versions with easier chords, aka campfire songs, but also consider students have different ways of learning and some may have learning disabilities. So consider making versions of lead sheets and or handouts with large fonts and or other simplifications, visuals, for example. The way the guitar fretboard diagrams are shown, either horizontally or vertically, is also pretty important. I've had students unable to grasp how to play a chord or a scale, but then when I rotate the fretboard diagram horizontally so that the headstock is pointing left instead of at the top of the page, suddenly they were able to play. So that is a fantastic tip there and something that will probably become more and more important as we discover more and more about neurodivergent learning and things like that. Nathan continues with tip number two. Have a handout to provide to parents that lists recommended guitars, tuners, and other necessary accessories. The worst scenario is when parents send their kids with guitars that are so poorly made that even the teacher has trouble playing it. Personally, I have no qualms about telling parents to sell or return those guitars and purchase a better one. I usually also mention something like 85% of students give up guitar because they think they just can't do it or don't have talent, but in actuality, it's because they don't realize the guitar itself is the problem. And I think any of the listeners at home listening to this can think of a time in the last month, if not on a weekly basis, where a person comes in with a guitar that you as an adult student can barely turn the tuning headstock on, the tunes on because it's just so tight and jammed up. All the action is so high, you could cut cheese with it. So two really great tips from Nathan there. Okay, so... Thanks so much to all of our listeners at home who have submitted their guitar teaching tips. We didn't make it to the 50, but not a problem at all. There is always a backup plan. So as I was saying, my backup plan was just going to go to ChatGPT and ask it 50 guitar teaching tips and to see what would happen. Now, I could have just tried to pass these off as random guitar teachers from around the world submitting guitar teaching tips, but I didn't want to deceive you guys, the listeners at home, and I thought, hey, why don't we just uh, have a bit of a reflection upon what ChatGPT is doing, and can we open up the conversation to say, as guitar teachers, how can we actually use ChatGPT? And I think we'll make a whole episode on how to do that at some point down the track, but I just wanted to see what this uh, device could come up with. So here is the prompt that I entered into ChatGPT. I'm reading it straight off the page. I have not copied anything. So I have written... Please write me a script for the 50th episode of my podcast. It's titled 50 Guitar Teaching Tips from 50 Guitar Teachers. The only problem is that we've only had about five guitar teachers submit their tips. I need you to write an overview and script for the episode, which includes 50 guitar teaching tips, as if they were submitted by real teachers. And I've given it this additional prompt. Please cover the top, these topics in your tips. Category 1, Teaching Tips. Category two, classroom management tips. Category three, building relationships with your students tips. Category four, business tips. Category five, learning tips. You are welcome to suggest other categories or make tips that don't fit the mold here. Please write in English language. So it's going to give me this intro. So drum roll, please. I'll get the editor to insert a little drum roll and a really cool sound effect. Three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of our podcast, Guitar Guru. Today is a special episode as we celebrate our 50th episode milestone. 
To mark this occasion, we reached out to guitar teachers from all over the world and asked them to share their best tips. We were overwhelmed with the response and we gathered 50 amazing tips for you today. So let's dive in and hear from our virtual panel of 50 guitar teachers. So guys, it obviously didn't end up happening like that, but it was very interesting to see that ChatGPT started spitting out some responses. So I meant to say, as per the script here, our first category is teaching tips. These tips will help you become a more effective and engaging guitar teacher. Let's hear from our teachers. So at this point, I'm going to give the ChatGPT generated guitar teaching tip, and I'm going to tell you whether I think it's good, bad, or somewhere in the middle. So tip number one is to make sure to establish clear learning objectives for each lesson. This will keep your students focused and motivated. So I think that's good. You should have a clear learning objective for each lesson, or at least the majority of the lessons for the people who like structured learning. There's obviously a little bit of time which should be free or unplanned, but you do need to have an overall path to work towards. So I think that's a good teaching tip, that one there. What I would add to this tip to make it better is saying you should have an overarching lesson plan. So you might say, we are, in the, we are heading in the direction of over the next 10 weeks, we want to learn our seven modal patterns, or we want to improve our blues guitar playing, or we want to do, uh, be able to build up a repertoire of 30 songs over the next 12 months. So if you have a, a grander overarching direction you're heading in, that will allow you to break that down into more easily planable lessons. Teaching tip number two is to break down complex techniques or concepts into smaller manageable steps. This will help your students grasp them more easily. And I think that is really, really solid advice. You want to break down anything into the smallest, most achievable next step. And we as guitar teachers will often suffer from something called expert amnesia, where we forget what it's like to be a beginner. And as a result, something which we take for granted or do really easily is 10 steps and six months of hard work for our students. So with that one in mind there, I think that's a fantastic teaching tip from the old chat GBT at this point. Suggestion guitar teaching tip number three is use a variety of teaching materials such as sheet music, tablature, and audio recordings to cater to different learning styles. And I think this is another really valid tip. If you can work out what your students respond to best and then give them what they need to succeed, that can be really, really powerful. And there are many different learning styles. There's obviously people who are more visual or people that can listen to things and figure them out. If you're using a combination, in my opinion, if you're touching on multiple senses, that is just going to strengthen the uh, transition from short-term memory to long-term memory or build up a variety of skills so they're not just always relying on reading the notes from the page. They're not just uh, guessing without knowing what things sound like. So I think it's a really valid tip. Guitar teaching tip number four is encourage your students to practice regularly and set specific practice goals to track their progress. So this is a no-brainer, another really, really solid tip from ChatGPT here. We always want to be telling our students to practice. So we want to plant those seeds. The more you say it, the more likely they're going to do it if you do it in an informative way where you don't come across as nagging. Now, if you are setting goals for each practice session, that is going to help them get so much more out of it or give them direction as to what they're doing. If you tell a student to practice guitar for 10 minutes, that is so open and so vague. But if you say, what I want you to do is to practice chords for 10 minutes, all of a sudden it is so specific. If you say, there are five chord progressions you need to work on, I want you to practice each of those for two minutes each, then that is very clear. It's very specific. The student knows exactly what they need to do and will have a much better improvement and a, a bigger outcome because they've had direct focused practice. So a solid tip from ChatGPT there. Teaching tip number five is be patient and understanding with your students and adjust your teaching style to their individual needs and pace of learning. So yes, this is another solid tip here. You are a guitar teacher, so therefore it is your job to be patient and you need to work with the individual in front of you. If you're not patient, you don't necessarily have to be a patient person. I'm often told by students, you're really, really patient. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's part of my job. Am I really impatient with other things in life? 100%. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a very patient person at all. 
But when I'm a teacher, that's part of my job. And part of that job is to work out the individual needs of the students and explain things into ways that make sense or best convey that information. Some people are going to go at a slower pace. That doesn't mean we lose patience. It means we readjust our expectations for what does this student need to succeed. So a really, really good tip. That's probably my favorite tip so far from ChatGPT there. So the second category of our guitar teaching tips is classroom management tips. And this will hopefully be handy for those of you teaching group lessons or those of you who are running a school but still having difficulty in those one-on-one sessions interactions. So what I'm meant to read out as per the host here is our second category is classroom management tips. These tips will help you create a positive and organized learning environment for your students. Let's hear from our teachers. So tip number six, establish clear rules and expectations at the beginning of each lesson to ensure a respectful and productive classroom atmosphere. I think that's really, really important, especially when you have a new student. You basically want to start things off with some expectations. My advice is don't give too many. You don't want to have 20 rules because no one's going to remember them all. Have three to five core tenants of taking guitar lessons with you. What are your three most important rules? Write them down. Mine are when the teacher's talking or playing, you are listening. Put your hand up if you want to ask a question or answer a question. And three, have respect, meaning for yourself, for the instrument, for the fact that your parents pay for lessons. And the way you show respect is by having basic manners, adhering to basic etiquette, and doing a bit of practice at home to justify the expensive lessons. Now, would I like to have 20 rules? Yes, I would love to have 20 rules, but most people, kids especially, aren't going to remember all that. You have three to five core tenets. Tip number seven, use positive reinforcement such as praise and rewards to motivate your students and encourage their participation. So I think that's another really, really valid tip there. You can give people a carrot or you can give them the stick. And carrots always work better. You just got to find the right carrot for your students. And if you praise them for the action of having a go, of trying, of going through the exercises, that is always going to be better than praising the outcome. You want to get them used to having a go and giving it a try so that eventually when they start getting the results, it comes from the process, not the outcome. Teaching tip number eight is to be organized and prepared for each lesson with all the necessary materials and resources readily available. And I definitely think this is a really, really great way to be as a professional teacher. There's nothing worse or what I found nothing worse uh, when I was a student was when I got to my lesson and the teacher said, so what did you work on last week? And that means they've forgotten what they taught me last week. There's no plan for this week. And hopefully while I demonstrate what we worked on last week, they are going to come up with what they're going to do for this week. That to me shows no structure, no plan, no investment on the teacher's behalf in what I'm doing. And just very, very unprofessional. So that is another solid business tip, not necessarily a teaching tip, but it translates into all areas of what you do. Now, tip number nine is manage your time effectively during lessons to cover all planned activities and allow for individual attention to each student. Now, I think this is a really, really good tip here, especially if you have group-based learning. Sometimes it's okay to go off on a tangent and some of the the best lessons I've ever taught have been when a question uh, prompted thought and discussion and we went off track, but we were able to do something really cool. So take this one with a grain of salt because sometimes magic can happen and you want to allow it to when it does pop up. But if you are going through a more structured lesson, just being aware of time, you know, how much you're talking, how much you're socializing, how much you are at what pace you're going through the lesson is really, really important and making sure you get around to every student. Now, sometimes there is going to be an imbalance, but everyone needs a bit of attention from you and everyone needs some sort of interaction. Teaching tip number 10 is to encourage collaboration and peer learning amongst your students to foster a sense of community and support in the classroom. And I think that's a good tip, mainly because if you are teaching group lessons, part of what is most effective about group lessons is the fact you're in a group. You should encourage learning in a group, people interacting with each other, people engaging with each other, and most importantly, playing with each other. And especially for kids, that's how they learn at school. If you recreate that environment in your lessons, it's familiar and they enjoy it. You don't want to go from Uh, a school classroom environment where they have lots of fun in a a certain learning way and then they come to this really sterile 
white walls, do as the teacher says, structured regimented lesson. For some people, it works really well. For some people, it's too much of a change and they switch off. So be aware of uh, how you're teaching in all different formats. And of course, encourage that collaboration and peer learning if you do have groups. Our third category is building relationships with your students' tips. These tips will help you establish a positive rapport with your students and create a supportive teacher-student relationship. Let's hear from our teachers. So there we go, ChatGPT throwing out some great English. But we're going to roll through. Tip number 11, get to know your students individually, including their interests, goals, and learning preferences to tailor your teaching approach accordingly. There's a, a special word called retention. It's often referred to as the R word. And everyone has different retention rates. But one of the most important things about retention is a new R word, which I would say is relationships. The longer, I should preface this or spin around, the better the relationship you have with your student, the more likelihood it's going to be a long relationship and you will retain that student for longer. Now, many of us who have grown bigger businesses we kind of have a really great relationship with some of our students from, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, when we only had 10 to 15 students. And we had such a good relationship with those students because we got to know them really well. We talked one-on-one. We uh, got to know them. We, we built that relationship with not just them, but with their family. And what happened is as we grew, we got less and less personal and developed less and less uh, or weaker connections with our students. We simply didn't have time to invest in our students or getting to know them or the capacity of your brain doesn't allow for you to retain all that information. So you have shallower relationships. So you've probably got a handful of students which you've had for five years, 10 years if you've been teaching for that long and you're still really great friends with them even if they come and go or every now and then. But you have this huge gap of more recent students where you don't necessarily have such a good relationship and of course, as a result, they're not staying for as long. So if you can get to know your students and genuinely build that connection with them through taking interest in them, that is going to translate to retention for you. So a very good tip once again. Tip number 12 is to show genuine care and interest in your students' progress and well-being and provide constructive feedback to help them improve. So this one's a good general guitar teaching tip here. You obviously have to care about your students and tying into the previous tip you can only invest so much once you go beyond a certain point. So while this one is uh, important, you definitely should care about your students and your progress and their well-being. It, it becomes tricky to, to manage, especially when you have more, more students. So you obviously need to put things in place to nurture those. The only flip side of this one where I think I wouldn't say this is necessarily wrong, but what you will find is some students, they just want to come and learn guitar as a hobby. It might, I often call them the, the blues lawyers. So for example, they come in with a $5,000 Les Paul. They cannot play for peanuts. They really love it, but they only come every third or fourth week. Now, I, I've got this one student, his name was Mark. Same thing, he, he had a, a pretty high up law job. He was making multiple six figures a year. He was really well off. He loved guitar and he loved coming to his guitar lesson. The problem was he'd only show up every three or four weeks. We'd be lucky to see him once every two months if work was busy. And I'd call him up and say, hey, Mark, you haven't been in. Is everything okay? Yeah, yeah, just been busy with work. Yeah, man, we have a subscription. You know, you're paying $300 a month to come and I haven't seen you. Uh, should we just cut it off and you can get back to me when you read? Oh, no, no, no. I love coming to my lessons. Uh, and if I cut off the membership, then I'll never come in. So we might have students like that. Or I remember another mum, uh, she had four kids she had one activity which she could do once a week for one hour uh, where her husband would look after the kids or they didn't have any, anything else going on. So every Tuesday at 7 o'clock, she would come in. She would not touch a guitar, you know, the other six days of the week, but she was just content coming in. So I don't want to come down on her too hard and say, hey, you got to practice. Hey, this isn't good enough because that's not meeting what she needs out of the program. She just wants something she can come to and have a, a strum along and de-stress once a week. Or the blues lawyer has something which one day he'll get back to and commit a whole lot more once he's done his law career. But he just likes coming and hanging out and being exposed to other guitar players. So just take that tip with a grain of salt, that one there. Tip number 13 is to create opportunities for open communication and encourage your students to ask questions and share their concerns or feedback with you. So I think that's really, really important. 
it all comes back to communications and relationship building. Often with your students, you have half an hour once a week. And it's very hard to build relationships with someone half an hour once a week. What we don't want to do is get an email six months in saying, yep, I'm quitting. You couldn't see it coming. You couldn't do anything to prevent it. They mentally checked out a month earlier. It took them you know, another four, five weeks to build up the courage to reach out to you and quit. You're never going to get them back. So if you have means of opening up communication, whether you do a student survey once every couple of months, whether you have an anonymous tips box or whether you just say, hey, every Friday afternoon between five o'clock and six o'clock, I have open communication. You can come in for a chat or a, an evaluation session of sorts. Providing that opportunity will allow you to connect with your students, let them get their voice heard and hopefully translate to better retention. Tip number 14 is to celebrate your students' achievements, big or small, to boost their confidence and motivation to continue learning. So this is a really simple one and solid advice. Anytime a student achieves something, make sure you make a big deal about it. Keep on boosting their confidence and giving them that positive feedback. Something we do at Melbourne Guitar Academy in our newsletter, if we hear any student achievement, whether it's guitar lessons or outside of school, we share that with our students. Someone had a win in their football team. We make a big deal. Yeah, you guys won. Somebody got student of the week at their school. Yeah, we tell the other students. Somebody was a state-level athletics champion for this week. Yeah, we put that in the newsletter for the whole school. So sometimes uh, it's got to be in-classroom achievement. Yep, you've done really well. Oh, you did a really cool performance in our most recent recital. All that stuff you have to do. But if you extend beyond the scope and start getting your students outside of studio achievements and sharing them with the studio so that everyone starts knowing each other and throwing their support around, that's a really, really important thing. And one of my mentors, Grant Cardo, has uh, this motto. Uh, he, he's always saying, celebrate success in every form and every way. So if you see someone being successful, if you see yourself being successful, whether it's with your guitar teaching, your business, or anything else. Make sure you reward it, acknowledge it, encourage it. And that's going to build up more motivation for everyone to keep on doing great things. Guitar teaching tip number 15, be approachable and friendly and foster a positive and inclusive classroom culture where all students feel valued and respected. Now, this is going to be a hard pill to swallow for some guitar teachers, probably not you guys listening at home because you obviously invested in developing your own skills and becoming better at what you do. But there are so many guitar teachers, uh, probably guitar more than any other instrument, where they're really jaded old musicians. They're grumpy, and this isn't exclusive to men, but most of us playing guitar and teaching guitar are men, statistically. There's just this grumpy old man guitar teacher who thinks everything written after 1980 sucks, or if it's uh, not heavy metal or not classic rock, it's not real music. And if you can't understand this, you're a moron. Like those kind of teachers, they have all the knowledge in the world. They're probably really great players, but they just don't connect with people well. They don't do people skills. They're not very nurturing and people don't want to approach them. People will just rather ghost out of lessons with you and go find another teacher rather than confront you with your personality and things like that. So I know Hard pill to swallow, great tip from ChatGPT here. But if you feel like you're that, if you're always frustrated with the student, it's the student's problem. It's the music industry. Uh, music sucks these days. Then you probably have to reflect internally. There is so much great music out there. There are so many great players. Why focus on these really narrow negative views, which are putting you in a box and stopping you from going out and helping more people or to share your passion with more people? So if that sounds like you, reach out. Top Music Guitar Teachers Helpline, send me a line, michael at topmusic.co or jump on one of our Facebook groups, the Top Music Guitar Teaching Facebook group or if you're a Top Music member, jump in the forum. If this sounds like you where you're frustrated, reach out for help and we can hopefully diagnose the problem, change your mindset and get you back in the saddle and winning again. Now, it was at this point that ChatGPT died on me. We're up to category four. Our fourth category is business tips. These tips will help you manage and then it cuts off. And I've had to prompt it, continue writing, please. And it says, these tips will help you manage the business aspects of being a guitar teacher and ensure a successful guitar teaching practice. Well, let's hear from our teachers. Teaching tip number 16 is to establish a clear pricing structure for your lessons and communicate it clearly to your students and their parents or guardians. 
So yes, really, really solid. I like to post my prices up on my website so that people contacting me already know the price ahead of time. You want to have something which reflects the value of what you teach and what you feel you're worth. And you can have the ability to you know, bargain or negotiate with people. That's totally fine. But just pick your price, let everyone know it loud and clear, and then work out if you want to teach a student from there. Tip number 17 is market your guitar teaching services effectively by leveraging social media, word of mouth, and other promotional channels. Now, this is where I'm going to disagree outwardly, disagree with uh, ChatGPT here. Social media is probably one of the last places that I would advertise for free. So we really got to dissect what's what it's trying to communicate here. I would say the first thing you need to do, and you definitely got to market, that, that, that part is crystal clear. You need to market as a guitar teacher. If people don't know who you are, they can't do business with you. If people don't know that you have a business, they can't do business with you. So should you leverage social media? I would translate that to say, you need to ask every single person on your social media, do you want to take guitar lessons with me? If you're looking for students, straight away do that. Every single contact you have, ask them that. Some people are going to say yes. Some people are going to say no. If they say yes, congratulations, you found a student. If they say no, then you go, no worries. Do you know anyone that wants to learn guitar from me? And then hopefully people will have a think. And if they're good friends, they will hopefully have a think for you. You can hopefully leverage and get a whole bunch of people that way for free. What I don't recommend is you just create a business page or a personal page and you just spam, I'm a guitar teacher, look at me, here's my prices. So I think you know that may get one or two good friends or family friends who have kids who might want to learn, but very quickly it's going to burn through uh, your social network and everyone's going to make a decision of, yes, I want to do this or no, I don't, pretty much straight away. At this point, so many guitar teachers and music teachers on social media, they spend a couple of hours a week going through their social media uh, plan and creating content and doing this and doing that. And it doesn't get them anywhere because everyone they've seen makes the decision of, yes, I want to do this. I know I want to do this. So they make themselves really busy and get very little return. Whereas if you just go straight to paid advertising in the form of the flyers, uh, Facebook ads, Google ads, things like that, putting up flyers around your town like tear tag flyers, they are all going to be way, way, way better returns initially. Once you passively build up a big social media following, then of course, the numbers just work in your favor. That's how funnel marketing works. The more people that know you, the more people that can do business. 1% of 100 people is 1. 1% of 1,000 is 10. 1% of a million is 10,000 people. So the numbers just keep on adding up. Tip number 18, create a professional and user-friendly website or online presence to showcase your expertise, credentials, and testimonials. 100% agree with this one. Where are people going to find you? on a website by going to Google or their favorite search engine and typing in guitar lessons. If you don't have a website, all the people who want guitar lessons cannot find you. I reckon the, the biggest thing, the best thing you can do as a guitar teacher to become professional is create a website. That doesn't mean a Facebook page. That doesn't mean going to an online classified and creating a listing, you know, musicteachers.com, create a listing for you. This means creating a website for yourself. And the number one piece of real estate that you can own is your website, especially if you can get it to number one on Google, which I talk about in my six-figure guitar teacher program. So if you have a website and you're not ranking, you're not getting lots of inquiries, it's probably because you're not on the first page or there's a whole bunch of other guitar teachers in spots one, two, three. If you can get the number one spot in Google, if you're not first, you're last. That's all my favorite sayings. You can get the number one spot to Google. That's worth like 70% of the traffic in your local area. So if you need help getting your website to rank in the top three in Google searches in your area, hit me up, michael at topmusic.co, and we can talk about how to do that for you. Guitar teaching tip number 19, offer package deals or discounts for multiple lessons or referrals to incentivize repeat business and referrals from satisfied students. So unpacking this one, I think... Offering a discount for multiple lessons can be good if it incentivizes people to stay longer than they would normally stay. So this question, if you know your retention and it's not very high, using discounts or package deals to get people to stay longer than the average retention rate is smart. If people stay for 
less than, if people are going to stay longer, then discounting is only going to have or result in less money for you in the long term. So that's just something to think about and consider in terms of um, making more money or less money a little bit further down the track. So just something to consider. Now, the second part of this refers to incentivizing referrals, which is a really, really good thing. But do you do that through discounts? Now, if you can, I like to do a gift voucher for referrals. So if someone refers to us, we give them a, a gift voucher. Part of this is because of the, um, the revenue being a metric that I measure with. So if you have a whole bunch of people refer people and you just discount that, that lowers your revenue and your statistics for that kind of month. So that's the reason why I would shy away from that. But I would always be saying, how can I uh, incentivize referrals without having to reduce the amount of money coming in? Is there additional things I can give that people want, which they can only get through referrals? If you think that way, ask yourself a better question. How do I get people to refer things without losing money on income by discounting? You're going to get a much better outcome. And if, you, if you're doing a great job, if you've got great customers, they're going to refer people no matter what. So you don't kind of want to have your better, better customers pay you less for something they would already do naturally. Now, you can incentivize and every now and then people are going to uh, refer people with an in- incentivization there, which is an incentive, sorry, which is really, really important. But never do it through discounting. Offer them a bonus masterclass or an additional private lesson. I think things like that are much better. And to go back to the first part of the question, rather than uh, pay for eight lessons, get 10, pay for 10, get plus one, or pay for the whole year up front and get four free private lessons throughout the year. Stuff like that is better because you get the baseline and you might have to do a couple of you know extra jobs or extra works. But if you can leverage that through groups or a workshop, pay the whole year up front and get a quarterly bonus workshop. Stuff like that is way better. Uh, and then you can just get everyone to come to this workshop uh, once every quarter. You might get 10 people to do it. Rather than do 10 private lessons, you do uh, one workshop and cover everyone in one go. And uh, make it really fun so that people can only get it. Uh, everyone else sees how awesome it is. And when people go, how do I do that? And you go, well, you got to do this. Either pay up front or uh, refer three people or whatever it happens to be. So there are so many things you can do here to incentivize people to refer to you without having to discount. So that, and that's one of the, the few bad tips from ChatGPT here. And hopefully something can get the wheels spinning in your brain. Remember to ask high quality questions. Tip number 20 is to invest in ongoing professional development, such as attending workshops, conferences, or online courses to continuously improve your teaching skills and stay updated with the latest trends and techniques. I love this one here. And this is the problem where I said before that you got these like, you know, 50 year old guitar teachers who are just curmudgeons who are really angry with the state of how things are. If you're listening to this at home, you're probably not one of these people because you're already out there listening to this podcast because you're trying to improve your guitar teaching. Now, you already know that we've got a membership for top music. If you haven't got top music membership, $40 a month to get access to a whole wealth of my best teaching tips some of the best guitar teaching courses you will get out there for such a low price. And I mean, if you're sitting at home going, oh man, investing into this is a scam or I don't see the value in this or why would I spend 40 bucks a month? Like your students pay $25 for a 30 minute lesson, maybe $50 for an hour lesson or thereabouts. For less than the price of an hour of someone taking a lesson for you, you can get a whole month of information, access to information, dozens of courses for myself, guitar-specific ones, and all the really cool top music resources for general music teaching for roughly what you would uh, you know, pay or get paid for a lesson. So if you can do, I don't guarantee you, the stuff you learn for teaching will improve your attention dramatically because you'll have really, really fun, engaging lessons. You're going to make that money back up 10 times, not to mention the business stuff, how to find more students, how to keep them for longer, how to make more money out of them. If you don't have a top music membership and you're listening to this, pay $40 for one month. Just see how much it improves. I will make you this special deal. If you're listening at home and you've never signed up for a top music guitar teaching membership, sign up for it. If after a month you have not improved your teaching, if you watch one course, whichever one it happens to be, if that doesn't improve your teaching after one month, write back to me, cancel your membership and say, Michael, I tried it. It didn't do anything and I will refund you 
that money there. I guarantee you it will make more than a $40 difference to your business. It will probably generate thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. And that's just the $40 top music guitar teaching membership. If you do my Guitar Ninjas program, it's $99 a month, but that will easily translate into at least $1,000 back in the first month. If you do my six-figure guitar teacher program, now that one does cost a couple of thousand dollars to get into, but you know what? Five people in 12 months have taken their business to $100,000. They're teaching better, they're loving life. Go see Tony Robbins. Invest in sales training with Grant Cardone. There are so many other music teachers, it doesn't have to be top music. Just invest in something. And what I did when I was rising to prominence was I just basically said, I'm going to take 10% of the money I make every month and use that to invest into courses. Now, some things cost a bit more than 10%. Some things are really free. Just get an audiobook, or if you like listening to audiobooks or just buy something off Amazon or music teaching. Just read one book, consume one course. Do something that's going to improve your teaching and often you get what you pay for. So, the more you invest in yourself, the better. You just have to level up, just like you level up a video game character by identifying skill traits. You know, warriors are strong. They have high HP, lots of endurance. They are very good at doing certain things. There are mages who have strong intellect and willpower and, and you know, the intelligence for spellcasting. So if you think about yourself as a guitar teacher RPG character, like what skills do you need to level up and then just go out and invest in them? Sure, it costs money, but, you know, Good advice is expensive, bad advice costs you even more so. And yeah, there's a whole bunch of great stuff on YouTube uh, and there's great blogs and things like that. And there's never been a better time to get free information. But if you can work with a coach or a mentor who can put you on a path, who can give you some great things to think about, and rather than just randomly pursuing a whole bunch of good ideas and creating chaos, you've got a clear path to follow that gives you structure, gives you order, which helps you build a great business, become a better teacher, it is well and truly worth it. So I think number 20 is, especially from a business development and personal development perspective, one of my favorites. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in, what instrument you teach, ongoing self-improvement is the key. Our final category is learning tips. And these tips will help your students become more effective learners and make the most out of their guitar learning journey. Let's hear from our teachers. Teaching tip number 21 is encourage regular and focused practice sessions rather than sporadic and rushed practice to build muscle memory and develop skills faster. So I think this is really, really important. Obviously, regular practice and consistent practice is the only way to make significant progress. Well, there's two ways to make progress. One is you have lots of short-term consistent practice, which leads to really short-term great results, or you just have to stick with it long enough that you accumulate enough hours over months, years, decades. Sporadic practice, yes, not good. Rushed practice, not good. Focused, unfocused practice, social media in the background, the TV on, phone going off, not really good. So if you want to develop muscle memory, you just want short, sharp, focused practice. And I would much rather my kids do five or 10 minutes every single day or every second day than to try and do an hour the day before the lesson. I'm sure most of you at home would concur. So a pretty solid tip there. Teaching tip number 22 is to teach your students effective practice techniques such as breaking down challenging parts, playing slowly, and gradually increasing the tempo. This tip really, really resonates with me because teachers will often say to their students, hey, you've got to practice this. Go home and practice this. Go home and practice that. But what does that actually mean? Guitar teachers too often make the mistake of telling their students what to practice, but they never show them how to practice. And how you practice a scale is very different to how you practice a chord or how you memorize a song or how you improve a certain part of a song that you're having trouble with. But we just assume that our students know what to do when it comes to practicing or even parents. We assume that parents know how they're, help, how they're supposed to help their kids practice or how they're supposed to help their kids set up a routine for practice. We take it for granted we as the teachers are the rare 1% that stuck with it long enough to get good at it and we're even rarer, less than 1% who would go on to become professional musicians and or teachers. Your students know nothing. They also have really, really short attention spans. They need to develop attention spans over long periods of time. So that's uh, something which we all need to be aware of is showing your students how to practice, showing them different practice techniques, educating them on this approach. It's all really, really important there. 
Guitar tip number 23, encourage active listening and ear training skills by having students play along with songs or melodies they enjoy. So I think this one is good in spirit. You definitely want to encourage active listening. So I like to give my students listening homework. Hey, have you tried doing this one? Or send them home with a CD. That could be a really powerful thing. When I was 14, this is one of my favorite CDs because it had this, this, and this in it. Why don't you listen to this one? Try it out. Or hey, you really like Green Day? A band I really liked that was similar to Green Day, and Green Day is an example, so I can't think of a band that's similar to them. But you could make a suggestion. Oh, you like this? I know this band, which sounds kind of similar. Maybe you like them too. That kind of stuff's really important. Burning a CD of musical examples for them to listen to, to become familiar with, really, really important. If you put together a playlist for your school and you just update it once a week or once a month with some new tracks, that can be a really cool way. The trouble with ear training skills and even music theory is more often than not, you only have half an hour with them once a week. So it comes a matter of what do you choose to work on for the small amount of time that you have with them. So what we don't want to do is ear training one week, a song another week, a technique another week, uh, a bit of theory a week after that, a bit of ear training again. Like if you only sing students once a week for half an hour, you just don't have enough time to consistently build all those skills. And being a, a music classroom uh, student at school, uh, I took for granted the fact that we did one lesson a week was purely on ear training. We did one lesson a week purely on theory. We did one lesson a week purely on practical. If you've done music in the classroom as a student yourself, you may take for granted that that's what happened with your education and all those passive hours that you built up. I know I definitely didn't. And when reflecting upon, you know what, maybe all these skills which I built up contributed to that. So that's, that's just something worth knowing there. So do I think everyone should work on these skills? Most definitely. But that's the academic approach to music, assuming everyone has two to three hours a day to put into their music skills or even two to three hours a week, of which most people don't. Or again, if they're doing guitar as a hobby, all these kind of things don't really cross their mind. So we need to have realistic expectations. There is an ideal scenario. Yes, we'd love our students to do it. Is it practical or with all the things that we need to get through, is this a priority right now? Uh, no. Should we encourage them to listen? Yes, that's going to help build up some skills. Are we able to get them go and do some ear training practice? Uh, well, if we want that to happen, we've got to sacrifice something else within our lesson time. So there are many ways about it. If you can use a software or some sort of game, then that's going to be way, way, way more fun for the kids and sort of incentivize them to pick it up that way. But remember, you only have so much time with a student. Although this is good in spirit, it's not necessarily practically a great tip. Tip number 24 is to emphasize the importance of proper technique, hand position, and posture to prevent bad habits and injuries. Now, this is a really, really important tip. And if you're doing something, if you're training more intermediate and advanced players, professional musicians, or just the, the, the people who play a lot, then this is especially important. I remember one of the first lessons we had at university so that we got a private lesson with uh, an assigned teacher as part of our degree. And part of the university's like protocol was the first lesson, we assess your posture and hand position and all those things. Because if they're going to encourage us to play or practice for three to six hours a day, then they want to make sure that we are doing everything with good posture, great hand positioning to avoid carpal tunnel, RSI, lower back problems, stiff necks, all those kind of things, which they could potentially be held liable for. So they essentially you know, want us to be having good form, good technique, just like if you're at the gym. You know, if you're a personal trainer at a gym and someone had really bad lifting technique, not only is that potentially deadly, but it's going to minimize the, the return that they get on the time invested in their workout. So this is a really, really important one. It's obviously less important with younger people or people that only practice for 10 to 15 minutes. But again, if someone has the cowboy position where the guitar is sitting on their right leg, uh, assuming they're a right-handed person, and the guitar is at, at a 180 degree angle, you know, that's going to be okay. But if they're pointing down towards the floor, that's going to make everything tricky for them. Or they're going to get a stiff neck if they're craning over the guitar after a certain uh, you know, amount of practice time. Often, so many problems are solved just by converting to the classical position, putting the guitar on the other leg, getting the neck up on a 45 degree angle. So if you can encourage your students just to adapt the right posture, that's going to solve 90% of their problems and make the guitar way easier to play. 
So a very, very good solid tip. And again, if you're working with intermediate and advanced level players, particularly people who are self-taught over a number of years who develop a lot of bad habits, so much and so many of their problems can be solved just by focusing on their posture, their technique, adjusting their positions. And someone like myself has had uh, RSI, carp and tunnel. I've had surgery on my left arm for ongoing RSI issues, which if you do, please reach out to me because... Uh, I think one of my other missions on this world, having not been able to play guitar for three years, having that taken away from me with injury, if I can help other people avoid that problem or avoid chronic pain, uh, I would definitely love to do it. And getting a bit off topic here, but I did have a period of time where I couldn't play guitar for probably two years and then I elected to have surgery and then that, that third year was obviously a year of recovery, but I had to relearn how to use my hand from scratch after having decompression surgery on my left ulnar nerve. I could not play guitar without feeling immense pain, uh, intense pins and needles, sharp throwing pains from the tip of my left hand fingers right up to my shoulder, and even on a bad day, my jaw and even my eyebrow. That was just the whole left hand side was pins and needles, really sharp stabbing pains. I read a book on uh, psychosomatic pain post-surgery in the recovery and I just realized that so much of my pain was unnecessary it was actually caused by tension to the point where I think if I went back in time I probably wouldn't have needed the surgery so if you do have pain issues if you know anyone that's got pain issues please send me an email michael at topmusic.co I've written a couple of articles I have free videos on how to play guitar pain-free which you can find at my website www.melbourneguitaracademy.com click the blog or article section and then just type in a search for uh, pain or RSI or carpal tunnel, things like that. That's the kind of stuff I take very seriously and I have all the time in the world to help people overcome these sorts of injuries. Now, guys, we are at tip number 25. And the funny thing is I asked for 50 guitar teaching tips across five categories. I've been shortchanged here. ChatGPT has slacked off and it has only given me 25 guitar teaching tips but I think they've been a pretty solid 25. So without any further ado, here is our final tip. Tip number 25 is teach music theory concepts in a practical and applicable way, relating them to the guitar and the songs your students are learning. And I think this is a really, really good tip to finish on because so many guitar teachers and guitar students, I should say, don't know music theory. Even really, really great plays with fantastic technique avoid music theory deliberately and intentionally because they're ignorant as to how helpful it can be. I'm always amazed at people who can shred up a storm, play really well, or uh, figure things out by ear, but they don't know the music theory and they somehow think it will put them in a box. So I think a big part of this is music theory is generally taught in the classroom, once again, by a piano teacher, and you're always learning like you know 16th century uh, Renaissance and medieval classical music. It's very, very dull, very boring. It's completely out of touch with modern music and musical education. If you can show how music theory relates to guitar, and I'm going to differentiate, music theory does not mean sight reading or reading music. Music theory is understanding the concepts and, of course, how they apply the guitar. And if you can tie this in with uh, the fretboard knowledge, then not only does it help you make sense of the music and the guitar, but it shows you how you can bring a said topic to life through the instrument. Music theory for me, I think of it as a recipe book because there is no overall, this is music theory and these are the rules. It's like having, if you want to sound like Beethoven, these are the music theory principles that Beethoven used, which we have kind of analyzed after the fact. And we have deduced that this is the approach he took to get to this. And we can kind of say these are the rules, but they are only the rules as far as if you want to sound like Beethoven, these are the rules that he used. If you want to sound like Bach, although very similar, and from a little bit earlier in the music theory timeline, Bach uses different rules. Now, yes, a lot of those rules have translated or, or been there consistently uh, all throughout Western musical history. That's why it's our Western musical harmony or music theory, all based around the major scale and the keys. But that hasn't always been the case and things have developed, but certain things have been retained. And most of what we hear on the radio today is related to that, but you have to break rules to get different genres of music or subgenres. So in order to go from Bach to the new style, Beethoven had to break some of Bach's rules to sound like Beethoven. 
and uh, Hector Berlioz had to break some of uh, Beethoven's rules to sound and create the romantic music. And then the film composer started experimenting with that, breaking rules, adding them in to get to the modern classical music and things we hear in film scores. And of course, you know, we had uh, contemporary pop songs, which evolved into, and the 12 bar blues, which by breaking a few rules or changing a few things, evolved into jazz in one pathway and evolved into rock and roll in one, one another pathway. We change a few things, we break a few rules and rock and roll gives way to traditional rock and then eventually heavy metal. And we can go off in, I always imagine it like a tree. There's obviously the really thick trunk of core Western music theory. Then there's the branches, then there's the leaves and every leaf is a different subgenre of music there. And there are hundreds, if not thousands. Each of them share things, but have their own little divergent music theory things. And it's not one set of rules. It is an explanation of if you do these things, the music you create will sound like this. If you do these things, the music will sound like this. You can't bake a chocolate cake. The difference between a chocolate cake and a strawberry cake is one has chocolate or cocoa powder. The other one's going to have some strawberries in it, either bits of fruit or strawberry flavoring. The milk, the eggs, the flour, the sugar is the same, but it's those extra things you sprinkle on top to decorate. The base of the cake is going to be the same. The flavor is going to change and the icing you put on top is going to be different. And music theory is just a recipe book. What recipe do I have to follow to get this outcome? So that brings us to the end of our guitar teaching tips. I would say there's a good solid 22 out of those 25 tips really spectacular. We didn't get the full 50, but I think we'd have a three-hour episode if we did. And hopefully you guys listening at home enjoyed listening to these tips. So thank you so much for tuning into episode number 50. Thank you so much for being a listener. I highly recommend connecting. Uh, that way we can get some feedback onto what you want to do with the show moving forward, what topics you like, what topics you enjoy. So my email address is michael at topmusic.co. If you're a guitar teacher and you've got great ideas, hit me up with an email because I'd love to chat with you and have you on the podcast as a guest. If there's topics that you want to learn about, shoot through an email and I'll do an episode about a specific topic. If you're enjoying the show, just send some words of encouragement. That lets me know that I'm on the right track and can keep doing some awesome things. Or if you've got some criticisms, if you disagree with me on certain topics, if you really can't stand some of my ideas, let me know via email. I'd love to have you on for a debate or reflect upon stuff and learn from you. So thank you once again, Top Music Guitar Teaching Podcast, episode number 50. We didn't get our 50 tips. Thank you to the 10 people that did submit, but hopefully ChatGPT made up for that and hopefully me putting my little spin on things helped you out even further. But I appreciate you guys, the listeners at home. Please reach out so that we know if we're on the right track and what we can do moving forward. And I'll see you in the next exciting episode. Thank you. If you enjoy this show and want to hear more of our work, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. For links and resources mentioned in this episode, including a free ebook on how to find more guitar students, visit us at www.topmusic.co slash guitar or check out the show notes. And lastly, thanks again for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.